In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. All right. Well, we are here. We are here. Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by... Hey, what's up? Highlight your boy, this is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as our musical prologue may have let you know if you don't tune into our programming notes, on this episode, we are going to spend some time with 2009's The Princess and the Frog. Directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, starring Keith David, Bruno Campos, and Anika Noni Rose, <laughs> the choice of Mr. Lynn Webb. But before we talk about the frog and the princess, or the princess and the frog, I guess she should get top billing. I would think Mr. so. Mr. Webb, do we have some business? Yeah, I know, right? We do have some business. First off, we want to shout out everybody that is out there watching us as we are bringing this show, as usual now, via StreamYard to our YouTube and Facebook pages. Shout out to Aaron Fry, Deborah Battle, Robert Monroe Jr., I don't know, you guess it, and everybody that is following the show. Um, hey, right what's now, up, folks? Uh, thank you. Robert Monroe wrote... Uh, in regards to our review this evening, that I'm looking forward to your take on this movie. My then six-year-old daughter was very excited to see The Princess and the Frog, so I took her opening day. As the closing credits ran, she turned to me and asked, why was she a frog for most of the movie? This was a question I was uh -oh. asking myself, and I wasn't <laughs> sure if this was the time to go into the history of racism in the motion picture industry, and especially animation with a six-year-old. So I said... Maybe the brown paint was too expensive. <laughs> so, oh, boy. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into. We'll, we will get into expensive brown paint, I'm sure. Yes, we will get into uh, all of that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but first, as Vince alluded to, we like to follow up on each and every one of you that sends us emails uh to the michelle mission hey vince we got an uh, an email let me bring it up for you um it's from nina who says hey nina hey friends Glad to see you maintaining and taking a responsible vacation. And thank you for keeping the pod going strong through these mad times. Intermittently binging your podcast has been a security blanket these past six months. First. Oh, that's nice. Prayers up for Nichelle Nichols, um, who actually has a GoFundMe uh, page that is running right now um, uh, for people to go and support in her name. Uh, she is allegedly um, fallen victim to some elder abuse. 
Um, yeah, yeah, that's a really, really sad situation. Very sad situation. Very sad. Uh, secondly, congratulations on Tyler Perry listening to your podcast and being pissed off enough to email y'all and accuse y'all of coonery and bootlicking <laughs> from his burner email account. <laughs> that be quite the plot twist that would be the plot twist <laughs> that would you know what you know what i 100 disagree with her though like i'm already prepared at some point i do think we'll cross his radar and if tyler perry has anything to say to us he gonna actually say it so you don't think he's gonna use a burner account no tyler perry it, there's nothing about tyler perry that says that i hide okay it's gonna come from tp at tylerperry.com Right, right. Don't let that dress fool you. Okay. All right. All right. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see, Vince. I, I don't know. I, 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 could, I could totally see Tyler Perry using a burner account. Um, <laughs> third, she continues. Skeleton, Skeleton Key is a black film. Yes. I feel like I heard you guys mention it briefly in a previous episode, but I can't remember. And now I wonder if I made that up. Also, have you guys watched... I may destroy you. I feel like you mentioned it, but I have quarantine brain. Anyway, Michaela uh, Cole's genius cannot be overstated. Have you watched I May Destroy You on HBO, Vince? It is on my list. It was on my short list, and, and obviously we'll talk of, about Chatwick Bozeman a little bit. But I, I had to, re I was actually going to watch it this week. Okay, and and then then when everything that happened, I really needed to decompress and and remove myself from everything. Mm -hmm. So I just like I watched the entire first season of Cobra Kai in one day. So that's what Two you days. did. That's what you did. That's what I did. I I really just had to, I, I had to you know detach myself a little bit. But um, I may destroy you is very much on my very short list. Uh, I know it is a favorite of my lady. She uh, enjoyed that show. I have watched the first uh, episode of it, and okay, it was very good. But it, you're right; it's one of those things like, oh, I I, I gotta be ready for this. I gotta be oh, in the yeah. right headspace yeah. to take this in. But there yeah. is no mistaking uh, McCallico's genius from, from just from the little bit that I've watched. Yeah, like you and I were talking a moment before uh, we start about Misha Green. And I said, Misha Green is not letting her foot get off our neck. And I can only deal with one person's foot on my neck at a time. I, I dig it, man. Uh, so. uh, Nina continues and actually has some words for me specifically uh, in, my, uh -oh. in my role as a black tribble. She... Um, uh, I was hoping that you guys would do another crossover review for Lovecraft Country a la Watchmen, but I enjoyed what I listened to of the Tribbles reviews so far. I've also started listening back to some of the Tribble episodes. I previously thought I wasn't nerdy enough. And do the Tribbles have an email address? <laughs> because I have a lot of questions. So I guess the Bat Tribble is going to have to uh, get all of my energy. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Nina, for those out there, <laughs> for those that is out there, my other show, The Black Tribbles, we are actually, we are reviewing Lovecraft Country, the new HBO uh, series by uh, Misha Green and Jordan Peele, starring uh, Jordan Smollett, 
Journey Smollett, excuse me, Journey Smollett, uh, Jonathan Majors, uh, and Michael K. Williams, uh, and uh, Wanabe Musaku as Ruby, and Anjane Ellis mm-hmm. as well. Um, and Courtney B. Vance. And Courtney B. Vance. He, he's, he's in there as well. He's in there as well. Uh, we have been reviewing that show each and every episode. Our review streams live on YouTube and Facebook every Monday evening at 9 p.m. And then the podcast is available for download on on Tuesdays. Uh, our show that actually streams, I will let you know, is it's called the safe triple travel guide to Lovecraft country. That is the name of that show. Uh, with Vince's permission, Vince has given me the permission that our show will now starting next Monday also begin streaming in the Michelle mission Facebook group as well. And absolutely. And Vince has also agreed to come on at the halfway point of the season. So that's in two weeks. In two weeks, ladies and gentlemen, my partner on the Michelle mission, Vincent Williams, will be joining me and the rest of the Black Tribbles to review Lovecraft Country at the half season mark. That's right. We'll all be together. It'll be an all-star episode. It's like those episodes of Sanford and Son when Bubba and Grady would be on. (laughs) Which one is Bubba and which one is Grady? That's what I need. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, oh, don't play. Oh, you're between the two of us. Well, I told you I've had envy of Grady's hair since I was a kid. Okay. So I'm always going to pick Grady. Okay. Well, since you will be coming on to my show, I will be Fred. And you'll be Fred. And, and, right. and you'll be, and then you'll be Grady. Cause it's obviously like Grady was his best friend. Right, right. Now, the real question is if it was Leroy and Skillet, which one of us is Leroy and which one of us is Skillet? Mm hmm. Yeah, you know what? If either one of us <laughs> is either one of them, <laughs> we ain't living. We've right. already lost. We've already lost. We've already lost, <laughs> We've already lost dog. <laughs> With uh, 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 so sorry. Uh, Nina continues. Boy, um, okay, okay. She, 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 uh, she got it in. Um, <laughs> uh, I, she, there's a lot this for the black triples I'm not going to go for the re- to the rest of it but she gives us a PS she said love you guys Nina PS uh, I knew I shouldn't have asked you guys to say three nice things about Melvin Van Peoples uh, apparently <laughs> you should have asked Lynn I would have said three nice things yeah yeah, I, I can't really come up with three nice things about Melvin. You're right. I can't. Um, we got- Groundbreaking director. Mm. Innovator of guerrilla um, financing. Mm. Uh, mm. Guerrilla financing. Yeah, I think he's one of the early filmmakers that engaged in guerrilla. Right. That's no. sort of DIY financing. No. No, he's not. He's not one of the early ones. No. There are five other people that were doing it before him. I can name I can name one that will shut you shut you down completely. I, I, no, 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 no. I said one of. I didn't say the first. Okay, but he but he he he, he didn't innovate it. The, oh, the, the innovator the innovate that's what you said. And the innovator of it was Oscar yes. Michelle. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
But I think in modern filmmaking, you talk about post sixties, you're talking about, um, I mean, you, you know, we're, we're just talking about raising money now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking about, you're talking about Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, um, oh, what's my man's name? What's my man's name that makes the money that made the movies with the women with the big boobs? Oh, um, uh, well, that was Ed, Ed Wood. Um, no, not Ed Wood. I can't get. George oh, Romero I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. You're talking about uh, 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 George, George, not George Romero. You're thinking about right. I could, but George Romero is one. But um, you're thinking about although I don't think he had to do that after Night of the Living Dead. Like after night, I think George Romero got his money. No, no, he was st- he was still struggling for dough, man. I don't know if that's true, Lynn. I think after night, he was pretty good. I don't think he was pretty good, man. All his mo- Night of the Living Dead made a bazillion dollars on a thirty dollar budget. Yeah, but he 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 still he he still was very low budget in his production. Um. Aaron Fry is mentioning Russ Myers. Is that who you're thinking of? That's who I'm thinking about, Russ Meyer. Okay. Uh, so Ed Wood, Russ Myers. Robert Monroe also puts out John Waters. I would say John. I would, John Waters is after um, Melvin Van Peebles, though. Yeah, he probably is. That's He's in the later 70s. Yeah, I'll give you that. Right. I'll give you that. So, you know, Oscar Michaud, which I think you're 100% right. John Waters, Russ Meyer. Who else is actually kind of, you know, throwing it together like that? I can't even say Sergio Leone because he's not. Right. So, you know, and he actually did everything. Now, we can argue about how well he did it. But, you know, he's, he's one of these dudes that did everything. John Cassavetes. Oh, I didn't know he was a um a dude who had to raise finances. Yeah, he did. I just didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Robert right. Monroe, for shouting out him. Yes. But yes, Nina, I said three nice things. Mm. Lynn didn't because Lynn is mean. <laughs> Whatever. We got another email. Uh all right. This is from uh Matthew Howard Fritas. Hey, Matthew. Clocking in at about the 83-minute mark, uh, the black exploitation film The Final Come Down from 1972. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a protest Billy film. Billy D. Williams. Protest film stars Billy D. Williams leading a shootout against an unnamed police force. Angry, socially relevant, and tragic. This film would make a great addition to the films you guys have covered. Apologies if you've covered this film already. I enjoy your podcast and look forward to new episodes. Keep up the good work, Matt. Okay, thank you, Matt. I've never actually seen it. I'm not aware of it e- either. Um, so I'd be interested in seeing it. I actually would be interested in seeing it, especially after revisiting Mahogany. Okay. I'm interested in seeing, okay, Billy D. Williams was the, the, the sex symbol, the black sex symbol of the early 70s, right? Right. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find out why. I'm trying to find out why and what he did with it. You know what I mean? Well, what I thought you were going to say is I don't know who directed the final come down. I never really think of Billy D. Williams as Billy D. Williams. 
outside of the Motown movies. Like, I think Brian's song, he's at a completely different speed. And by the time he's in the Star Wars films, he's almost Billy D. Williams playing Billy D. Williams. Oh, yeah, but most definitely. So that, yeah, I actually wonder about the, uh, like, the final come down. I actually didn't know it was that early. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was like 79, 1980. Yeah, it's 1972. So this is still pretty early Billy D. Right. I'm now 100% more interested in the final come down than I've ever been. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. It'll come, it'll come somewhere along this journey. We'll get to it. I hear we're going to watch all of them. That's, that's the word on the street. Um, <laughs> right. But thank you, everybody, that sends us all of yes, the, the yes. emails and. And we really appreciate it. And if you want to send us an email, ladies and gentlemen, feel free to email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Um, you know, we usually go through a lot of the, the news and whatnots that are, are happening in the world of black entertainment, um, as it were. But there has not been any bigger news um, and more surprising and, and, and more uh, gut-wrenching than the passing of the actor Chadwick Boseman, who passed away this past Friday after, at the age of 43 years old after a four-year bout with uh, colon cancer that was almost... Uh, unbeknownst to anyone outside of his his wife and his family um and it was a thunderstrike to uh, the world to say the least there have been uh tributes being paid to him from celebrities from uh fans from the different uh, uh movie companies that he's worked with Warner Brothers and Disney and Marvel as well, there have been uh, think pieces um, written about what he meant to uh, just black people and people in general. Um, uh, Vince, you actually were uh, quoted in a piece that we posted in the Michelle Mission Facebook group that ran in the Philadelphia Inquirer here in Philadelphia. Uh, shout out to Elizabeth Wellington, the writer of that piece. You can find that link up there uh for you checking out um where were you vince i haven't got a chance to speak with you about this where were you when you heard the news about uh chadwick boseman's passing i was i, I was sitting on the sofa like you like you said it was friday night and and you know i'm trying you know how it happens where like you get the one alert mm -hmm. and then everything just sort of comes you know what i think my brother may have told me Okay. Yeah, I think we have a um we have a group text, me and my boys and my brother is in that group too. And he texted it. Like he said told us, he said Chadwick Bozeman died. And then as soon as he said it, all the alerts just start popping up. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, it, it really was like a kick in the chest. It 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 was it it was it was it it's so heartbreaking. Where were you? Uh, same thing. I, I well, I wasn't home, but I was I was my home away from home with my lady, and um, 
we both were just like just like um left with our mouths just hanging wide open you know um to think that he uh was so young um and he was so young and he was also relatively so young into his career as well um because even though he was 43 years old you know there's a there's a reason why a lot of people pretty much know him for you know going backwards black panther thurgood marshall james brown jackie robinson those were pretty much his movies outside of maybe about right. three or four other things and maybe about uh four or five uh appearances on television that's his career his career was was filled with nothing but iconography if you will right right you right. know uh it's just it's just amazing um and the, the what you you know you you learn about his passing that's when you kind of like read the history of the man and you learn how he was he started his career as a as an artist he was a writer he was a director he wanted to be on the stage you know which speaks to him being able to embody so many different roles because he was an actor first before he was a star and that was always yeah. very important to him the craft was important to him being true to the craft while also being true to himself being uh diligent and deliberate about the roles that he would take that he would take and you know when you're an actor trying to make it especially uh, early on it's easy to kind of just put some ideals on the shelf and like you know just take some roles and make some money you know to get that keep that roof over your head um but to be you know uh to to be a struggling artist as he was and to just be very strategic about he how he mannered his career it's just an awe-inspiring story just awe-inspiring man and i think it just <coughs> made it hurt that much more to have him yeah go away so soon crazy. yeah i mean such a legacy you, you know such a legacy i think we you, you mentioned the roles that he took and and i have to say as an actor i, I think he his legacy is overshadowed obviously by black panther mm-hmm but but he really was a, a, a fine actor. The, the the role I keep coming back to is I, I caught um you know, we caught Get On Up like at a matinee. Right. Like I remember it was no like we went and got it. And I was struck by how well he did mm-hmm. playing James Brown. Which very easily could have become a caricature. Easy. Cause it's James Brown and we've been making James Brown jokes. For 30 years now mm-hmm. and James Brown has that cadence and everything but he brought this wonderful humanity to James Brown that that I was always really impressed by and then you, you know just the legacy of Black Panther and and everything that he gave us it's it's kind of sad and a little pressing like I talked about it last week about black pain and black joy mm-hmm. being kind of connected and, and you know i'm wearing uh shout out to steve tozen who you know i'm wearing my wakande t-shirt yeah yeah it was such a wonderful day 
Yes, it was. Like Wakanda was so wonderful for for those of you who who don't you know weren't here, don't remember that was the Black Tribbles and the Michelle Mission and Black Sci-Fi and uh, Amalgam Comics and all of these Philadelphia area geek organizations, basically. Yeah. And we had a day of activities and there was a showing of Black Panther and there was a party that night and it was such a wonderful day. It was, man. It was so beautiful. And everyone has all of these memories Mm -hmm. of that period. You you know, the hol that Halloween and all the kids dressed up and 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 just that whole and, and you think that he's at the center of this. Mm-hmm. Fighting colon cancer. I know. I know. But, but you know, with, with such dignity and strength and honor, because you have to think there's a part of him that saw the joy that all of this elicited. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he, he basically sacrificed himself. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, how do you go through this and you don't want people to know? You don't want to, you you know, kind of let people know what's happening. And 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 he did it with such grace. He did, man. And, and another thing that I'm struck by, and this just talks to the strategy of the guy and how forward thinking he was. He was struggling with this for four years, right? Right. But... October, just this past October, he marries his longtime girlfriend, right? Right. Um, who I believe her name is Simone. Yes. And you have to imagine that at that point in October, while sure, you are, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're banking on a miracle, but it's not hard to imagine that the the multiple bouts of chemo that he had gone through and, and now looking back, you can see what this, his battle was doing to him physically. You know, you don't kind of like want to speak to it early before, but now you look back on pictures, you can kind of see these things. It's not hard for me to imagine that in October when he marries his, his girlfriend, is not also a part of him getting his ducks in a row and absolutely and making sure that you know everything that is that is his and therefore also and she's entitled to by taking this walk this journey with him he's tying up the bow to make sure that there's no type of like, you know, there's no ambiguity whatsoever, right. you know? Right. Um, yeah. And, and to me, that also is a tribute to the man. It's a tribute to her as well for standing by, sure. by him. But, you know, I, I've said, it, and you've said it before, before there were superheroes, before there were, before there were women, before there were heroes, before there were superheroes, there were black women. So, like, so, right. yeah, she's going to be there because that's what black women do. You know what I mean? But him doing that to honor the superhero in his life, I just, I, I just look back on it and just say, makes me just appreciate him even all the more, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a real loss. 
but but he's left quite the legacy. He certainly has, and he actually and and a, go ahead, go ahead, and and to you to what you said about the roles that he took, a, a real example of intentional living. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not somebody who cashed in and 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 made a lot of choices just to make them. This is someone who lived with purpose, most certainly. Well, certainly. And there's tons of tributes out there, ladies and gentlemen. There's a very um, moving um, tribute that uh, Delroy Lindo uh, wrote of the time that he spent with Chadwick Boseman on the set of Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. Uh, You can find that post actually in our Michelle Mission Facebook group. It is quite a story that Delroy yeah. tells of his really, and he, he he's upfront about it. His really, his one and only, he really just met Chadwick for that film and the, yeah. and the impression that Chadwick made on him. Yeah. Ryan Coogler's is pretty heartbreaking as well. And I saw Michael B. Jordan, um, maybe even today, very recently posted something. Okay. I was wondering about that because there, yeah, you uh, look, you can, uh, like, I can't even imagine like I can't imagine Ryan Coogler or Brian B. Jordan right now. Yeah, outside of his wife and family, mm-hmm. I-, I can't imagine those two. Yeah, they were actually uh, talking about how I-, I had read earlier about how um, Michael B. Jordan and uh, also I think Lapita Nyong'o as well was yeah. someone else who who at least as of the reading I made was which uh, I believe yesterday had not made any uh mention posted yeah. anything in regards to his his passing so yeah so i i, I feel you i feel like feel you on that uh so yes yeah, so you can go to our facebook group ladies and gentlemen and you can check that out check out um our posting that that posting and and and, and tons of posting that people made about uh the passing of chadwick bozeman okay please do all right um all right all right. Well, look, it's 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 now time for us to get into our show. And and thank you to Aaron, Aaron Fry, who said he loves both of our Black Panther shirts, Wakanda forever. Most certainly. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Vince, hey, it's time now. It is time. It is time for us. to. We're almost there. <laughs> yes. We're almost there, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for our review of Walt Disney's The Princess and the Frog. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Prince. 
I was cursed by a dastardly witch doctor. One minute I am a prince, charming and handsome, cutting a rug, and then the next thing I know, I am tripping over these. Everyone thinks they know the story of the princess and the frog. You must kiss me. Excuse me? Please, princess. It will make me human again. Just one kiss. Unless you beg for more. But no one knows what happened after the kiss. Until now. How did you get way up there? And how did I get way down here and all this... This holiday season... In the tradition of Walt Disney's most beloved classics... ...comes the story behind the most magical kiss... ...the world has ever known. Disney Pictures, The Princess and the Frog. Come, we pucker. That's new. The Princess and the Frog, Walt Disney's 49th animated feature, loosely based on the novel The Frog Princess by E.D. Baker, which in turn was based on the Brothers Grimm fairy tale The Frog Prince. Stars Anika Noni Rose as Tiana, a young chef living in early 20th century New Orleans who is sacrificing and working hard to purchase a restaurant. At the same time, Prince Naveen of Malvonia, voiced by Bruno Campos, has come to visit New Orleans to seek a bride because his parents have cut him off. Keith David portrays Dr. Facilier, a witch doctor and voodoo man who has all types of schemes. John Goodman, Jennifer Lewis turn in supporting roles. The Princess and the Frog, Disney's return to traditional animation in 2009. Directed and written by Ron Clements and John Musker, was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what say you of The F Princess and the Frog? Okay, so this is the first time that I saw this movie. I've never seen this okay. movie before. Um, and it was a film, you know, even though I do have a little girl in 2009, my little girl is 17 years old. She's still a Disney fan, but... I'm not taking her to the movies anymore. And most of the time when she's going to the movies, she's going to see horror movies. So she's not going to see the princess and the frog. So, um, so I didn't have an excuse to go see the movie. And I wish that I had, because this was, as you, you mentioned, Walt Disney's return to their classic, uh, 2d animation. Um, since the first film, I think since 2004, uh, yes, home on the range, right. Which was there, which was the flop home on the range. So, right. Um, and after that, they pretty much were in the Pixar, Pixar game with computer animated fair. Um, but in wanting to do a film that was much in 
in the tradition of the Disney princess films of the past, and especially the princess films that uh, brought Walt Disney back to prominence in the 80s and 90s, they wanted to do something in 2D animation. So they reached back into their bag of tricks to John Clements and John, uh, Ron Clements and John Musker, who were the writers and directors of The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Hercules. Um, three big hits for Disney, but three films that each have a distinctive style, a distinctive look, and a distinctive musical palette to them. So in knowing that they wanted to adapt the the old fairy, fairy tale of the frog princess, knowing that they were interested in creating an African-American um, princess, they wanted it to have the same lavishness of the princess tales of years gone by. So they br brought these guys back in to, to not only do traditional animation, but to do animation that in some way harkened back to Disney's golden age of the, if not necessarily all the way back to the forties, certainly into the fifties mm -hmm. and the sixties. Right. Right. And I think visually they succeed in this film. I think this film is beautiful to behold. I was wrapped by the by the animation, by the movement, by the, the character designs. I was there. There wasn't anything that was super duper complex, but they was but they were still very interesting. The uh, African American characters looked African American. Their features were distinct, and um, it, it did not move into the realm of stereotype in any way. I thought. Um, the lavishness of of the scenery was was beautiful. There uh, was some like some real choice ideas. There's a moment where Tatiana, uh, Tiana, you know, our our, our protagonist, um, cuts away and sings her song almost there, and it cuts mm -hmm. away to like a, a whole different animation style uh yeah. that is just yeah. really striking kind of like deco type of vibe mm -hmm. i was just i i really loved everything in there there was a lushness to this film there was when it needed to be the uh, the shadow man uh he was decidedly creepy his scenes were scary they harkened back mm -hmm. to to me almost to the most terrifying uh, traditional animated movie that Disney ever produced was The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Because if anybody's ever watched that, that film, um, I, I can't even think of who the, the bad guy is in there, but he is terrifying. And there are scenes where, where, where he is on screen and singing his song that literally could belong in the greatest horror films of all time. And there were scenes with Shadow Man 
that rivaled mm-hmm. that because of the animated style, because of his the movement, the character design, and and how he was moving and dancing on screen, coupled with the vocalization of Keith David, who. Mm. Like, tell me something Keith David has done that has been wrong. He's been in some. I know. He's been in some things that maybe didn't work, but he's never been the problem. The n- problem has never been Keith David. And when it's right. and, and if you only have Keith David's voice to live on, then you know you are in the A game because his voice is just a champion. I mean, and yeah. he just he is just slippery and slimy and slick and and snaky. And it's just. Oh my! He's just—he's just delicious. He's just loving it. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm digging everything from him. It's just dripping from the screen. This movie was was very very enjoyable from that aspect. The only disappointment about this film is that I don't think that as a story. It was super interesting. I felt myself getting lost in the story a little bit. It's the tried and true tale of the the frog princess. You know, the the prince gets turned into a frog, and he has to find a princess that doesn't kiss him and turn him back to a human. And this and this movie kind of like play, plays with those machinations. You know, maybe he needs to get kissed by a princess, or maybe he needs to get kissed by Tiana, who is not who is not a princess. You don't know which way this is going. Um, so it, it gets a little convoluted in, in, in trying to make sense of everything. And I think for the most part, it, it gets there. But for a moment, I think the character of, of Tiana, because she is a black woman and, and because this is her first, the, Disney's first black princess, I think that there was a, a missed opportunity by the creators to make her a fully fleshed character. Um, and mm-hmm. as opposed to this caricature of a black woman who would then become a princess at the end of the film. Um, because she has dreams of doing better. You know, she is, uh, she's hardworking. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you get the sense that she... She's got her eye on the prize of opening up this restaurant and foregoes any uh, any fun with her friends. You get this, the, the sense of it. There's some lip service pay, uh, paid to it, but I don't think it's really driven home in, in the movie or in, in her actions. Or she certainly doesn't seem it certainly doesn't seem like it wears that heavy on her. You know, um, it doesn't se- certainly doesn't seem to be a motivation for her at all. She seems fine in that, yo, I'm working towards a goal and this is this is my goal. And I'm and I'm almost there. I, I got the money. I've bought the building. So it's not like it's not like, you know, she got <laughs> swindled out of her dough. She's like, I bought the building. Like you could laugh at the building that she bought, but she bought the building so far. She's winning. She's winning compared to everyone right, else right. in this freaking movie. Like she did more that's, than her dad did. You know, that's in the extended version of the song. I got the money and I bought the building. <laughs> you know, 
you know, I'm almost there. I'm at the door. Right. I've got the, right, right, right here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, her dad only had a pot. She's got a building. Yeah. So she's winning. Yeah. So I mean, like, so, foreseen. Yeah. So it's not like you know she she's losing there. So so I I think that motivation is not 100. It, it just doesn't hit home with me. And right. I'm also you know um, I'm also going. I, I got to be honest, I am bumping on a little bit as I'm watching watching this film at the beginning that, you know, uh, you start off, she is playing with this, this little white girl and Tiana's mother is reading them the story of the frog princess and you learn that Tiana's mother is the seamstress for the white girl who is just the daughter of this rich rich fat cat in new orleans and tiana is just her friend that comes and and plays with them so okay they are working for the white guy and then you see the transition of them going home leaving these this posh neighborhood in 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 new orleans to these single homes uh where they live which are you know "Quote unquote across the tracks, as you will, right? Um, the right. other the other side of town, where it's nothing but black people and their, their their living conditions aren't aren't you know pristine. Uh, and I understand that that is in part because this film takes place back in the early part of the 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 twentieth century." Uh, right, the twenties. Right, because when it opens up, I believe it's like nineteen eighteen or something like that. Right. Yeah. But. Um, I get that, but I mean, look. First of all, Disney ain't never been one to like you know like like you know like hunker down on the facts of a situation, you know. And I guess there are some facts that they left off the table. Then you know you don't see like you know it was only blacks only or whites only anything like that. But I don't know. To me, for this to be their first African American lead in one of their films i felt um that i i bumped up against that i understand in following reading the story about this that they actually you know were going to go a totally different way with this story with it still being black leads but they were it were going to go a totally different way this is the the version <laughs> that was done right. after after you know right talking right. to black people you know right. getting input I was about to say, there was people. there was a version that a bunch of white people made on their own <laughs> exactly exactly this 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 is the version after oprah stepped in you know what i mean right so, so right. i'm like i'm like who uh, uh, that's, that's interesting. you you are never in a good position when oprah has to step in no you're not no you're not um so I like, guess Lord, we, we didn't messed up and they didn't called Oprah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she she done snuck in this joint and and then and got a role too. That's right. So I'm gonna be yeah. on the set. So, so y'all can't make sure y'all listen to me. Uh because Oprah right, actually right. voices her mother uh in the film. Um so while so I, I bumped up against that. I bumped up the story a little bit. I didn't think the music was as memorable as um classic Disney Disney films uh mm. but you know it was still enjoyable I have to give it up 
to your girl Anika Noni Rose. She that she of course she is. Um, she sells the film. She definitely sells the film. Uh, again, I don't think her character is given much to do. So therefore, there's not a whole lot of you know, you know levels that she's displaying in her acting. But she's getting it over for for what it was. Um, uh, I tried to look at this through a kid's eyes, and I could see a child falling in love with this movie. Falling in love, even though I know the controversy is that Tiana is only on screen for maybe 20 minutes in this whole film. You know, the rest of the time she spends as a frog uh, that she gets yes. turned that she gets turned into, um, and. Uh, I could see some people, you know, having a problem with that. I honestly didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with with that aspect of it because um, in uh, there are like I was going to say there 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 are a few Disney films where this type of thing has happened and where we're asked to follow like, you know, imaginary creatures, you know, uh, through our adventure. Um and I would argue that it, in most of the Disney princess films, the ancillary characters are always the most exciting characters anyway. It's only become fairly recently that the princesses be, have, have any true agency in their films. Um, and while she is a frog for most of the film, she still indeed has the agency in the film. She is still she at the end of the day is the she is 100 percent the protagonist. The oh, yeah, you know, um, the, you know, the, the the she has to be the prince. You know, he's a, he's a good looking Indian guy. And, and, and shout out for them giving having an uh, a Indian or or ambiguous Middle Eastern prince uh, as her as her love interest. Um, but for the most part. He's he's not the hero. She is the hero. No, he's of this not. Film. And uh, and some would argue she's the hero, and so is and the other hero is Ray, the Firefly, who mm-hmm. probably has the most touching story of this movie. <laughs> it, it almost put a tear in my eye when he finally met his Evangeline. I was like, oh, that's sweet. That's real sweet. I I I, I was, you know. Not for nothing. I think that scene hit me so hard because I've been re-binging Downton Abbey. I don't know why. I fell into a Downton oh Abbey God. hole. And I've been binging Downton Abbey. So I've been I've, I've I'm 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 in I'm I've been very tearful lately. So Yes. Yes. So, so that, that that moment did touch me. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed the film. I think there are some missed opportunities in it. Uh, but it was enjoyable, and I and I championed the princess and the frog. Okay, um, I I think this is a film. Well, I think there are two things about this film. I, I think the 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 princess films in general, starting with Snow White, mm-hmm. and and this lineage of the princess films. Like you said, it's only fairly recently that the storyline and the plots have been as important as the imagery and the legacy of the films. What would I always, you know, when's the last time 
people have actually watched something like Cinderella mm-hmm. or Snow White. You you know, you know a couple of the images, you know a couple of the scenes, but no one has watched them from beginning to end for a, a long period of time. So there's that. And and I say that to and then there's just the legacy of this film and and the character of Princess Tiana and what all that all she means. So that in a lot of ways, a critique of the film is secondary because what's really important about The Princess and the Frog is its legacy. As a film, I, I, I pretty much agree with everything that you said. I, I think it's a beautiful film. I'm a fan of traditional animation. I think there are wonderful sequences in here. Uh, you talked about Almost There. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of Almost There. I'm also a big fan of um Dr. Facilier's big number Friends on the Other Side, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which 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 is just visually very very um affecting the the images of New Orleans, the images of the swamp. Um th- it just looks like watercolored paintings the entire film. I think the voice acting is fantastic. You you're right. I I don't like Keith David is perfect in air like Keith David could just be a voice actor yeah like he's just that good um I'm a big fan of John Goodman in this film mm-hmm. you, you know just that warmth and, and that bigness like that bigness that John Goodman has that comes across I actually would like Oprah to do more voice work mm. you know I, I realized watch I've mentioned this before a couple of times where I think she's so iconic a presence that whenever she acts, I just find her distracting. Okay. Just because it's her. Right, right, right. And I think she, in the couple of scenes that she has as a voice actor, she's good enough that I said, you know what, I'd like for Oprah to do more voice acting. Anika Noni Rose is perfect. You know, her her performance, her singing, her warmth, oh God. the depth of emotion, all of that. <laughs> like, she's perfect. Having said all that, I do think there are problematic elements to this film. You know, you mentioned one of them. I I will say this. I think it is worth noting that there was a very deliberate decision made to excise images of black men from this film. Mm. Her father's in this film for one scene. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the, the history of Disney princesses and the way this works... The father is always there. It's always the father, and then the mother is dead. You might have a stepmother, but the father is always there. And in fact, as someone whose daughter was young when this was going, when this came out, and I actually followed a lot of the story, when there was the controversy about the non-black prince, which we'll talk about in a moment, there was this real bait and switch where people played up um, Terrence Howard's father mm-hmm. and said, oh, well, you know, her father's in this and he's a positive role model and this, that, and the other. And again, it's a Disney princess film. So you assume her father's going to be uh, a supporting actor or supporting character throughout the film. He dies before the credits. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have this non-black prince. Look, you can have a non-black prince. It doesn't have to, like, there's nothing, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, black people have to be with black people or any of that, but this is a decision that was made. 
this was a decision that she would have a non-black prince. And that coupled with the disappearance of the father, I think is worth mentioning. Okay, but why Having is it said worth... That, okay, go okay, ahead. Okay. I, I, wanna... I think it's worth mentioning because these are the decisions that are made mm-hmm. about this film that people decided that there weren't going to be any black um, men in this film mm. besides the villain. Okay. This was a decision. Again, it went against sort of what the um the flow of the film would have been. Mm-hmm. Again, you list the you list the movies, I'll list them back to you. Her father's there, her father's there, her father's there, her father's there. Um Frozen, both of the parents were dead. But father, 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 you know, the vast majority of the films. And then it seems like the default for this black princess would be a black prince. And then someone said, no, we're not going to do that. So there's that. Having said that, my cousin always teases me about Prince Naveen. And she says that I should be happy that Prince Naveen wasn't black because this is the most ain't shit prince in the history of princes. He is so useless. He is. He's not good. He's not good. He don't have no money. He don't have no job. He don't swing no sword around. I mean, he don't work. And he plays the ukulele. He plays the ukulele. And this is sidebar. This is why I will fight for Django Unchained from now on. Because a black girl deserves better than Prince Naveen. Okay, that's Prince Naveen. Don't help her get the restaurant. All of the Prince Naveen stuff that I think Tiana deserves better. Well, okay, he doesn't. And he doesn't help her get the restaurant, but he. No, no, no. no. What? 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 What's he do, Lynn? Tell me what Prince Naveen does. I've been waiting ten years for somebody to tell me what Prince Naveen does. He. Well, he doesn't help her get it. He puts up. Okay. The, he puts up the money oh, to help. Uh, uh, no, he doesn't. It. That's her money at the. No, that's her money. That's her money in the in the in the cans. No, I understand that and that's her the, money. And, that's how she saved it. That's why it's like that. But then they're married. And then he holds the Okay, and then what? And then it's his money that that make, turns it into Tiana's place. Where 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 did you see that in the movie? Where did you see that his parents start giving him money again? When they had the wedding at the church and you see and you they cut to the family and the family the pops giving them like, go ahead, son. He's like, hey, I see what you got there. Like they they did, they co-signing. And then they handed him a check. Was it was that in them? Did I miss that scene? Yeah, you didn't see her go down. You didn't see her go down with her bag. Her bag was stuffed, dog. Her bag was stuffed. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right, with the with the, with the money in the in the coffee <laughs> can that she had collected in the very beginning. And then Lynn, I used to think he went down and threatened the dudes, but then I realized today that she took the magic alligator with her. That's true. <laughs> I was like, damn, Prince Naveen That's ain't true. even good <laughs> he wasn't to even threaten muscle. the banker dudes. He wasn't even muscle. That's true. It was the alligator. <laughs> then in the final scene where he brings out the dish, I said, oh, okay, well, maybe Prince Naveen's a waiter now. Nope. He playing the ukulele. Okay. That's fair. That's f- <laughs> And then... Unlike you, I do think it is important this erasure, this erasure of the black body. I guess I at minute, yeah, you know, at minute twenty, she's no longer there, and then you don't see this black woman as a black woman anymore 
until the thing goes off. Well, first of all, she's black for longer than a minute. She's she's no 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 twenty minutes. Okay, in oh, fact, minute I wrote 20, it down. Minute twenty. Okay, so. it's it's actually right at twenty nine thirty four. She turns into a frog. Okay, all right. Well, the movie is a is an hour and thirty eight minutes. At twenty nine thirty four, she turns into a frog. Okay, well she turns. And into, then she's a frog. Okay, she's a frog. Okay, she's a right. frog. Again, I think that's important when we're talking about representation in images. Well, I guess. I mean, having said all of that, well, let me finish because you don't even have to do all that. Nothing I just said is important. None of that matters. Everything I just said, none of it matters. Okay. Because I think Princess Tiana is, I don't think you can overstate how important this character is as representation and what she means to girls. And, and, you know, appropriately enough, as we're talking about Chadwick Boseman's legacy. Mm Mm-hmm. And something like Black Panther, I think Princess Tiana is just as important. And and unlike you, my daughter was actually right there at ground zero. So I watched the the influence this character had on my black daughter. Yeah. And on black girls around. And more than that, have I ever told you my Disney World story? Ever tell you my Disney World story? Uh, if you have, it bears repeating. So when Camille was five, five or six, we took her to Disney World on her birthday Mm -hmm. to, you know, to meet the princesses and to do all, you know, basically it was the Princess Tiana trip to Disney World. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to Disney World, they have all the actresses dressed up like the princesses. Yes, they do. And people get in line to get autographs for, for the princesses. That's true. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Fully half of the people in line to get autographs from Princess Tiana were older black women. Yeah. Yeah. Who had come to Disney World to meet Princess Tiana. And I actually saw an older black woman Mm -hmm. break down into tears getting an autograph from Princess Tiana and talking about what Princess Tiana meant to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And how she had waited her whole life for a black princess and she couldn't believe that she lived to see it. Now, for the record, this wasn't actually Princess Tiana. Of course. This wasn't even Anika Noni Rose. This was like some 19-year-old girl from like Florida A&M who worked at Disney World for the summer. Right. But to this woman, it, it, it meant so much to her to have Princess Tiana as this representation mm-hmm. that that I, I think that sh- that this character and this image is bigger than any quibble I could ever have about the movie. Right. Right. And I love Princess Tiana. I love how protective Anika Noni Rose is of this character. I think we've mentioned it before, but when Princess Tiana has showed up in other media, uh, specifically in the Wreck-It Ralph sequel, and they tried to lighten her skin and narrow her nose. Uh, Anika Noni Rose actually put her foot down and said, "That's this. This is a disservice to this character." So that, yeah, I, 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 I have a lot of respect for this movie. Dare I say, I love this movie. I've watched this movie a lot, and and like you, I I am a champion of the Princess and the Frog. And I'm glad that you said that the whole idea of the the erasure of the 
the black body from this film is not important uh, overall. I'm glad you said that because you're right. It isn't. Because what all of us adults in the room have to remember is that this film, first and foremost, while they're trying to get the imagery and, and be respectful to the culture that they are putting on screen uh, as correct as they can in service of the story. First and foremost, this story is for children. This movie is for children. And for children, no matter what age, no matter what color, when they watch this film and they see that princess or that character, Tiana, turn into a frog, yes, they are watching a frog for the rest of the movie. But in their mind, that is still Tiana. They are hearing right. Anika Noni Rose. They are seeing that character design of a black woman uh, underneath the facade of a frog. And they know exactly who that is supposed to to represent right that yeah they don't kids don't get wrapped up in the whole politics of it you know what i mean they see oh tiana then turned into a frog but then she came back and she was a princess you know and that's why she's right, my princess right. you know right um and and go ahead and to your point as as someone in a household where we've spent thousands of dollars on princess tiana stuff mm-hmm. t-shirts sheets cookbooks backpacks dolls this that christmas ornaments cups all of that the image of princess tiana is 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 what's on everything exactly like they don't put the frog they put princess tiana exactly so that image is is lynn you still there i think you froze on me no i'm here i'm right here oh now i've gone now i've vanished i'm right here what's going on on me vince Vince, oh, you Lord, froze. Has Disney come and got us. Vince, you froze. Are we in trouble with? Di- well, you froze too. We were frozen. Disney came and got us and we froze fro- us. <laughs> Disney, Disney came and got us. We were frozen. Doctors with black ice. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think the image is is one that that has lived beyond the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has gone beyond the film. To your point. Yeah. Um, and how hard are you going to critique uh, an animated film that's for kids? It either, if the ki- and if the kids love it, at the end of the day, that's all that counts. And they love it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I did want to say this about the music. I, I wanted to ask, how do you feel about Randy Newman? I like Randy Newman. I, I don't feel you. I know, I know he did the music uh, for most of this film. He doesn't do the, the closing song, which is a Neo song, but he does most of the right. music uh, for this. Um, I like I I say I like him. And that's because the music that he has done for the Toy Story films has almost always broke me up and made and, and made me bubble like a blubber like a baby. Right, uh, I think he does the mu- doesn't he do the mu- music for the Toy Story films? Wait, I missed some of that because you froze up again. Oh, I think uh, doesn't Randy Newman do, do the 
Muse. Oh yeah, absolutely. Toy Story, yeah. right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Um. I I. I, I love him. I don't think he's doing his strongest work in here. Like I said, the music just didn't didn't grab me uh, in this film. Um, Robert Monroe, real quick, just going on. He's saying these images affect children. No black father, no black prince. These images slip into children's mind. That's why my father wouldn't allow my brothers and I to watch Little Rascals or Popeye, etc. And Aaron Fry said, I always said, imagine if there was a black musket- mouseketeer back in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has been part of the conversation around it. No, and, and I, I and I, rep- I understand that. I, I recognize that. I just don't. I don't. I don't think that. I want to give children, in regards to this film, a little bit more credit than that. Um, well, and, and like I said, I think ultimately the film itself is a smaller part of this character's legacy. And, and, and I will say this, when you look at the marketing, when you look at, again, the legacy of these characters, whether you're talking about Snow White, whether you're talking about Cinderella, whether you're talking about uh, Sleeping Beauty, whether you're talking about Ariel, um, unless you're talking about Beauty and the Beast, which just sort of built into the concept is that prince. You don't really see the princes. Like, like these, these princesses are sort of on their own. Mm, mm -hmm. So, so that I, I, again, I, I do think there was this very strategic decision made about those images in this film, but the further we get from the film itself, the less important it is. Yeah, because the 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 attention really is on Tiana. Um, I I did want to say specifically about Randy Newman. I think I'm ambivalent about Randy Newman. All his stuff sounds alike to me. Really? And this sounded like Randy Newman music to me. Like he sits down at a piano and he's like, "Give me a C, a bouncy C," <laughs> and then he kind of, you know, I think he's that bad. He kind of puts together these almost post show tune. Disney movie songs. I, this is going to be the song for the wacky sound, the sound sidekick. This is going to be the song that establishes place. This is going to be the love song. This is going to be the song that the princess sings. All right. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, he, he he's he's got a style, but look, everybody, a lot of <laughs> the best musicians have a style. All right. 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 So and he's making these these songs in service of Disney. And to be honest, let's 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 face it. When you when you're working with the the house of the mouse, they kind of dictate what you what they want. So they're going to Randy. Right, right. And they're going to Randy because they're saying, Randy, you know what you did before? Give us some more of that. Right. Do it. Right. But I say that to say these songs weren't any weaker than Randy Newman songs to me. They just sound like Randy Newman songs. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they, they, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't his best work, but it's, it it was what it is. Yeah. Deborah Battle says that there were black Mouseketeers in the seventies. Nobody remembers them. That's because nobody watched the black the the Mouseketeers, the Mickey Mouse Club in the seventies. It was horrible. It was just that was like the new Mickey Mouse Club. It was not good. 
It was not. <laughs> it was not good. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, not at all. Robert yeah. Monroe chimes in. I like to let a girl watch this movie and then recreate the Clark Dow test with princesses and princes and see which one they choose. There was a deliberate choice to have a non-black love interest. So, look that look, and and not for nothing. Like like not to. That if if you sort of look at the history of Disney black princesses, we've talked about it before. There's a whole generation that that Brandy um, Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Left this indelible print. Non-black prince. And if the casting is to be believed with uh, with the new live action Little Mermaid. Oh yeah, with the little sister, with the little sister from Gronish. I, I just forgot her name, but the little sister from Gronish uh, doesn't look like she's gonna have a black prince either. So you know what I always say: once is a thing, two is a coincidence, three is a pattern. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I'm, now I'm, I'm looking at up the live action Little Mermaid movie, and let's see. That is actually the. It's going to be starring. Who's going to be starring? Um, I know David Diggs is going to be starring. No, it's a little. It's the little sister from Grownish. Oh, I remember. It's the two sisters on there, and then it's one of the sisters. I don't think they're twins, but they look like twins to me. Oh yeah, uh, Halle Bailey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's going to be on there. I, I, I she's not. I'm on IMDb, so it took a. It, she, and she's not number one on the call sheet. So, uh, right, right. Yeah, Halle Bailey. And it and it does happen. You you know, good for the goose is good for the gander. As much as I adore Miles Morales into the Spider Verse, not nary a little black girl in that movie. That, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh no, you're right because because he's mixed. His mom is Puerto Rican. That's right. That's right. His mom is Puerto Rican. And then he's sort of sniffing around um, Gwen Stacy. Right. That's right. Very true. So. Very, 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 very true. All right. Okay. Regardless, big fan of this film. So am I. So am I. And what this film means. And I would, to answer the, uh, the unasked question, I would highly recommend that people watch The Princess and the Frog. Sit down with your yeah, family. Yeah, me too. Me too. Sit down and watch it. And if you have some problems with it, then have the discussion. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, again, you, you know, it's it's interesting talking about what we've been talking about as far as imagery and erasure of bodies. I, I think since two thousand nine, there have been many more conversations about it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, I do think um, you, you talked about it a little bit. The, the the development journey that this film went through. I, I really do think, you know, frankly, there was a room full of white guys who came up with this whole thing initially and made some missteps. Yeah. And then tried to fix them. And then, you, you know, eventually you end up with this, which is different than a lot of, uh, uh, again, we, we talked about hair love and the the series that's coming out of Hair Love, Young Love, where from the ver- from the ground floor you have black creators involved, mm-hmm. you know, not for nothing, um, it, 
obviously these aren't for children, but but I think you look at what Watchmen became on HBO and, and Damon Landoff, Landonoff. Damon Lindelof. Lindelof was very vocal about the fact that he let black writers take the lead. That's right. And that's how Watchmen became Watchmen. And and as someone who read the book and loved the book, after three episodes, Lovecraft Country is a million times richer as a text. Mm. And I 100% I believe that's because of Misha Green you mean, and her team. And when you say that, you're saying Lovecraft Country, the series, is a million the times richer than the book. The series is a million book. times richer than the book. Gotcha. Which was great. Mm-hmm. But I think she's already made some changes and there are already some moves that you can see that have been enriched by all of these black creators and specifically these black female creators Mm -hmm. on the ground floor. Mm -hmm. So I also would recommend it though. Strongly. I actually think it's required viewing. Well said. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of The Princess and the Frog. Before we get into Vince's selection for next week's episode, we invite you to email us all of your feedback. You can email us at michellemission at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group, The Michelle Mission, where we have a lot of fun talking back and forth with all of our missionary friends. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube. Join us. Become a subscriber to our YouTube channel um, for the Michaud Mission. Uh, Holler at the Michaud Mission right there, where you can check out all of our live streams. Our show is available every Monday night. The Michaud Mission is available as a podcast coming your way every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Google Podcasts as they've rebranded themselves, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, any place and every place that you find podcasts, including the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate Curated Podcast for your listening pleasure. The Michaud Mission is also available in an edited form as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam. People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Hey, Vince. Yes, sir. What movie will we be watching next week? On the Michelle Mission. Well, I am invoking executive privilege and I'm breaking two protocols. The first protocol, I know we have gone back and forth. I don't know if we have definitively stated what our stance is, but we are going to do a Netflix film. Uh oh. The second protocol is that I know we've had sort of an unofficial um, break. With my favorite filmmaker, Spike Lee. Oh, boy. But I'm going to go ahead and bypass that as well. Um, you know, frankly, I knew I wanted to watch something with Chadwick Boseman, but but I don't know how ready I... Well, I don't know how ready... Like, I, I wasn't really ready to do anything like um, 42 or even get on up. 
So I'm I'm going to um I choose the five bloods. Okay. I choose the five. So we're gonna watch the five bloods um streaming on Netflix right now mm-hmm. as our film for next week. Okay. All right. All right. Uh that's it. The five bloods, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um you know what, Vince? This is going against our protocol. We were I think where we landed was that we were going to review a Netflix film if it at least had some kind of short run yes, in theaters. Yes. Uh, the Five Bloods, though, was scheduled to have a short run in theaters. Um, however, because of COVID-19, it, that couldn't happen. So um, that was beyond its control. So, yes. so therefore... I will allow. Yes, yes. This, and if our dumbass president believed in science, maybe we could have handled it differently, and we wouldn't be in a damn Octavia Butler novel. But then there we go. That's why democracy matters. Because of our dumbass president, I have to break the rules. <laughs> An Octavia Butler novel. Well said. And or an episode of Black Mirror. Take your pick. <laughs> no, I like the Octavia Butler reference. That is a winner. Yeah, I don't want to live in neither one of them, no. I want to turn the TV off or close the book. That's true. And then go back to regular life. That's true. My Ooh, Parable of the Sower is messed up. And then I close the book. My lady has never read uh, Octavia Butler, so she is reading Kindred now, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and- how'd you like that? She, she she wrote she was reading it when we were on vacation. She took it out to the beach to read. <laughs> That's some light reading for you. She she I think she maybe got like about six, seven pages in, stopped and said, I need to go in the water. Like this is mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Oh yeah. So deep. Oh yeah. And then she just went straight to like her, her jewelry magazine. She said, Yeah, I need a break. My God. Oh yeah. This <laughs> too. I need some ice cream. I need, we could get to get some something. crab legs, something. Mm-hmm. Something. For real. All right. The Five Bloods next week. Okay. All right. Looking forward to that. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, be good. Keep your mask up. Be safe. Be good to one another. He's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>